You know what's really great about life? It's that no matter where you are or what you're doing, it's five o'clock somewhere. Welcome to Will Write for Wine. I'm Lucy March. And I'm CJ Berry. And this is Will Write for Wine in 2010. Yep, the first show of a new year. And personally, Yay. I love the sound of this year, 2010. It's all even and everything. Yeah, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. I mean, I don't mind it being 2010, but when I really start to think about it, you know. Yeah, it's a little freaky. Not to mention the 50 checks I've already screwed up. You know, it doesn't take much to throw me off. You still write checks? <laughs> yes, I do. You I know, write a check in like two years. Oh no, no, I'm not. Uh, I am not getting. I'm not doing the debit thing. I, I don't do it. You don't. I just do the debit thing. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, no, I just talked to a lady at work. Her her entire savings and checking account just got wiped out. How? Because somebody stole her debit information. Oh. Yeah. Well. So. All right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I guess, I guess when you don't have any money, like me, it doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, go ahead, steal it. Have fun. Have fun with that dinner at McDonald's because that's all you're getting out of me, baby. That's all you're getting. But uh, Oh, anyway, there's a yes. little early PSA, huh? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, back up, Lucy. Don't mock me about the check. <laughs> I get it. I get it. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's get to drinking. Absolutely. All right, uh, you know, like we haven't already. Uh, what's right. on tap for tonight? <laughs> well, tonight, in celebration, we are drinking champagne. Yes, and uh, why we chose it? Hello, New Year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're doing my favorite champagne, Barefoot. Barefoot. <laughs> when I, but when I, look, I went in looking for the Chardonnay champagne, which is what I mm-hmm. usually get from Barefoot, and they didn't have any of the normal old stuff. They have huh. this, like, almost silver foil label. It's all fancy. I mean, still cheap, mm. though. I mean, you know, it's, it's still Barefoot. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't the Chardonnay champagne. The only one I could get, well, there were a few different varieties, but I mean, the one I grabbed was Moscato Sp- Spumante. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, which Spumante, I don't know what that means. Somebody can tell me what that means. I had a dog when I was a kid named Spumoni, and I always associate with that the dog. So I always think of, like, hair of the dog, and then you're going through that whole, yeah. Anyway, so it's a Moscato Spumante, and I have no idea what that means. Um, but this is from the website, which, barefootwines.com. I love a winemaker with a website. It's a really yes. good website. Um, yes. And it says, black tie optional, barefoot Ooh. required. Already? Uh-huh. I like it. Uh, It's a little cheesy as far as the wine writing goes, because you know how those people can be. But I sort of like it. Hmm? So Barefoot Bubbly Moscato Spumante Champagne is a deliciously sweet, sparkling wine, perfect for your next special occasion or just a night in celebrating the everyday. Our Moscato Hmm. Spumante has fragrant fruit aromas and slightly sweet flavors that complement the crisp acidity. Apricot Ah. and peach enhance the lingering tangerine finish. Ooh. It's a whole fruit bowl in there. Yeah, it's a whole fruit bowl. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. I like it. It's really sweet. Oh, wait, I didn't check. It was $9.99, so just a hair sweet. shy of my usual 10 bucks. Alcohol, 8.5% by volume. Mm-hmm. So um, that means it's a little lower than usual, so I'll probably be a little more <laughs> you cogent drink more. tonight. <laughs> it's very possible. Although I hear that champagne gets you drunk faster anyway because of the bubble. Bubbles. I don't know what it is. The bubbles. I don't know what it is. Anyway, I yeah. give it five glasses. I'm in a good mood, and I like it. <laughs> oh, 
awesome. Sounds Yay. good. All right. Well, I looked high and low and couldn't find the same one. Aww. Yeah, so I settled for a bottle with a cork and a string over the top of it. Okay, I already showed this to Lonnie. <laughs> All right, it's a it's a champagne bottle, but it had the cork was like sticking out of the top of it, and then they put like uh-huh. this string over the cork to hold it down. You know what? The regular champagne bottle they give you metal. You know the right, little metal yeah. thingies. No, this had a string on it. See, that's weird. So, yeah, and I was a little nervous about removing that string because mm-hmm. I didn't want to put my eye out early in the evening. Right, so later in the evening I... is fine, but at the beginning, <laughs> yeah. it's always you know you don't want to do that, right? <laughs> so I had to get a corkscrew out and actually like put the corkscrew in a champagne bottle, mm-hmm. and then when it got to the end, then it like popped out. So it was like that's weird. It is weird. It is weird. It was way too much work for a bottle of champagne. People <laughs> right. just go with the usual. Right. All right. Anyway, it's an Italian Riva mm-hmm. della Chiesa Prosecco. There you go. I have mm-hmm. never seen any of those words before. <laughs> But that didn't stop me from buying this bottle. It yes. was uh, $13 or thereabouts, um, 10.5% alcohol. Ooh. And the notes mm-hmm. are a light sparkling frizzante, uh, okay. Venetian, yeah, frizzante in parentheses, <laughs> yep, uh, Venetian white wine made of 100% Prosecco, grapes, mm-hmm. crisp, and appley. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the whole wine note, so which pretty much all I needed to know. <laughs> no website on the bottle. Now, have uh, you noticed that it's always the international wines that don't have websites? What well, that's because they've been in business. Like the ones out in, you know, Europe have been in business for like hundreds of years. You know, I mean, it takes them a longer time to kind of get with the program, you know, as far as like know. the new stuff. That's Dang. just what I'm thinking. I'm thinking when you've been doing something for 300 <laughs> years, you're like website, whatever, you know, and I think it just takes a while longer if they don't to kind of hop on now. that train. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and it adds something to that. I mean, yes, it's annoying for us because mm-hmm. we live on the internet, but I mean, it kind of adds something to their, you know, I don't yeah. know, their cachet or whatever, that like old school European, like I live in a 500 year old castle. You think I could be bothered for your stupid website kind of stuff? You mm-hmm. know? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. Well, regardless, it's a hell of a champagne. Um, I will give it 4.5 glasses. It's a little on the dry side, but I'm sure by the time I get to the bottom of the bottle, it'll be just fine. (laughs) It'll be just fine. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) All right. So now we are on to the cheers topic where we talk about whatever we want simply because we want to. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm going to talk a bit about this new endeavor I've undertaken. Um, As some of you know, it's been kind of a big year for me. Um, I signed with Jennifer Enderlin at St. Martin's Press, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. I took on the Lucy March identity. So that was good. I left my husband. So there Uh. was that. I moved to Ohio. And uh, I'm now living with one of my best friends in the world, Jennifer Cruzy. Um, Yay. Anyway, like I said, big year. It's a lot to process. Um, mm-hmm. And as part of that processing, um, mm-hmm. I've decided to blog for 516 days every day as Lucy March. 
Uh, why 516 days? Well, because that's how many days there were left until I turned 40, counting the day that I started blogging, which was January 7th. Also, mm. right about that time um, will be, um, okay, when you when you start the process of divorce, when you first, like, separate, which for me mm. was last June, um, mm-hmm. they say that uh, you go through two solid years of just batshit crazy. Mm -hmm. So um, that means that right around the time that these 516 days are up, right around the time that I turn 40 is when that's going to be over. So the the crazy will be over at that point. And also my first Lucy March book will have come out like right around that time as well. So I thought, you know, we'll use the day that I turned 40 as like the big, you know, end of that, that particular experiment. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm blogging every single day between now and then. And those of you who have followed my blogging in the last, like, I don't know, two, three years (laughs) have noticed that it's very sporadic. (laughs) So for me to actually do this every day is really good. On top of that, I'm actually doing it as a podcast because I thought, Hey, it's not enough to blog every day. I'm going to (laughs) record. it and put it up on the internet so that's um i'm podcasting as lucy march it's called a year and change because it's Mm -hmm. a year and change you know before i'm done with the thing and i turn 40 Mm -hmm. um and it's going to chronicle my attempts to kind of grow and learn and change so that i can start my 40s on you know solid ground so um you go to lucymarch.com and all the information is there the blog is there um and it's a it's it's I don't know if I would necessarily call it fun because I think people who are used to me, um, you know, I'm always like this very cheerful, like doing this tap dance and everything. But uh, this this really isn't very funny and cheerful. I mean, this is to the bone, really honest, um, not always funny and uh, definitely unflattering about me. So if you like this image of me as being really cute and fun, uh, you know, maybe don't go. Um, but, uh, you know, don't say it and warn you. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It's not funny. I'm still reeling from the fact that you're 10 years younger than me. (laughs) I have to say, though, that I've liked my 40s much better than my 30s, if that's any consolation. I hear that from a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if it's because I feel more comfortable and happy with who I am or because I drank more in my 40s than I did in my 30s. I'm pretty, sure, works. I'm pretty it's sure I'm pretty sure I'm going to drink more in my in 50s, 40s. too. That's why. It's because you met me in your 40s. That's right. That's right. That's why they're awesome. See? There you go. Drink. <laughs> well, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my cheers section, I did a little yes. research on world <laughs> predictions for 2010. Yeah. And these are a few that I found. All right. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So you, you can work these with okay. me. Okay. You're going to do the first one? You ready? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So Bin Laden dies. Yeah. Which, yeah. okay. Okay. Let me just, let me just say. He's probably already say, dead. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Here's what I'm thinking. It was eight years ago, right? Mm. He had like some severe kind of kidney or liver problem. Anyway, so he was already yeah. in ill health. Yeah. He's been living in a cave in mm. Pakistan to the, you know, I mean, not not like I'm at the top of the chain when it comes to intelligence, but I'm just saying, that's a scuttlebutt. You know, so I'm thinking here's a guy mm-hmm. with like very serious medical issues who's been on yeah. the run and living in a cave somewhere. I mean, I think That's a pretty of, good bet. That's a pretty good bet. Maybe, um, maybe we discover his, you know, desiccating body or something. I don't know. But I'm, I'm thinking he may have already, you know, departed yeah. the earthly plane. But I yeah. don't know. What do I know? Uh, I don't about. know anything. So. All righty. Uh, the second one is secret human cloning experience attempts to clone a famous person. Now, you know what? You know the most, the thing that scares Colin me Burt. the most? Colin Firth. <laughs> 
You know, the thing that scares me the most is that they're going (laughs) to, all the people who've died, who they're going to pick to come back. You know, there are some people, you don't want them to come back, you know? Oh, they're going to They already had their chance, they're done, and yeah. Right. So, yeah, so I thought that was actually pretty funny. So now when they clone a person... Yeah. They, you know, they clone them from babyhood, right? Like, and then it has to grow up and everything. I mean, can you imagine, like, growing up as a kid and everybody being like, dude, you're Elvis? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like, the kind of psychological issues that that would, or, you know, Ben Franklin. Like, hey, you want to discover electricity? Yeah, you already did. You know, I mean, like. (laughs) You know, there's nothing really, you know, exciting that's going to happen from there on. I mean, pretty much. Not only that, you know, you know Ben mm-hmm. would probably get a lawyer and sue everybody for all the electricity we're using. It's oh, like, seriously? hey, it was mine. It was my experiment. You know? like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to okay. kick me back a penny for every amp you use. So uh-huh. anyway, so the other one is uh, petrol prices shoot through the roof as OPEC <laughs> make price fixing deal with Russia. That's interesting. You know, I had to laugh while I was going through these because half of them, I'm like, oh, duh, duh. I mean, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, we know know that. I don't know. I I find that interesting. I really actually don't have anything to comment on these. I mean, basically every day I'm like, thank God I don't have to leave the house or commute or anything. All yes, right, well, the, let me see. The next one is there will be more interest in Sauvignon Blanc in 2010. I'm like, okay. of course, you know, I like Who's zoned be in what? on that one. I'm already interested in Sauvignon Blanc. That's like my go-to wine. So hey, who, maybe it's because like we've been talking about it. It is because we've been talking about it. We started yeah. the trend. That's, That's exactly right. what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That right. makes sense. Well, someone dies in a reality TV competition, which yeah. – actually sadly has already happened like the cousin of uh, there's uh, there's a woman in my local rwa chapter whose husband's cousin i think was that guy who like was doing a reality thing and he like i I think he fell in a swimming pool and hit his head or something like that oh i didn't hear um, about that yeah so yeah actually that's kind of already happened yeah yeah and i'm just like you know let's let's just hope that doesn't happen again Mm because you know it's kind of tragic yeah yeah you know so yeah yeah okay uh the lost city of atlantis will be found yay yes wouldn't that be that's fun very exciting that's very exciting i would I, that to be real. i think that would be very cool i think I you think know you know really the best part about mm-hmm. that and it's just to kind of prove the scientists wrong you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. You know, all these people are like, oh, there's Atlantis. And then there's a, there, there's half the people are like, yes, there's an Atlantis. And there's the other half of the people that are like, you guys are idiots. And there's no mm-hmm. such things. Blah, blah. I would just, I would just love it for that. I would, I right. would buy a shirt that said, mm-hmm. I always knew it was there. You know, something I like that. Knew. You know, right. Yeah. Well, see, I'm not sure that I have your um, faith in it like mm. I, I think it's really interesting I think it would be neat if it were real mm-hmm. um, I don't think that simply because we haven't found it yet that automatically makes it mythology um, you know I think that there's lots of things that well, we don't I know don't, and our arrogance yeah. could probably use a little bit of tempering at the same time you know if there is no Atlantis it doesn't diminish at all my belief that we don't know everything yeah. you know yeah. so well, and I don't way, think it's a myth like, yeah. I mean myth a lot of myths are based mm-hmm. on facts 
you know, and reality, so, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think it makes total sense. I actually saw, you know, a documentary on that, and they were talking about they actually have, you know, documentation of a huge tsunami that came into that area at a certain, and it would have wiped out if there had been an Atlantis, it would have been wiped out, and that that makes sense, you know? And it that, does like, make sense. Yeah. Especially, so, I mean, you I know, you've seen, we've seen what tsunamis can do now. So, well, I mean. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. It's I know. So, it's, it's not, it so. definitely is possible. And then the other one is that, uh, you know, the very, very cheerful one, which is going to be our ending note, is that the world will end, which every year somebody predicts the world will end. I know. Isn't that a riot? Isn't that a riot? I know. I know. And the thing is, is that all those people, what they don't know is that the world ends in 2012. I know. (laughs) That's not 2010. It's 2012. Exactly. We've got two more years to party and enjoy our Sauvignon Blanc. And I'm so glad I don't have to lose that weight. All right. (laughs) All right. I'm exhausted and more than just a little frightened. We need to take a small break. So sit back, pop a cork. Hopefully doesn't have a string on it. And we'll be right back. (laughs) Woohoo. It's 2010. It's a new decade and a new start. So my resolutions for the 2010s or 20-teens or whatever the hell we're supposed to call them are as follows. Number one, no drinking and driving. And that goes for the 2020s and the 2030s and the 2040s and then I'll be dead. Number two, no drinking too much in one sitting or at one bar or on one night, except for podcast nights, of course. Number three, no drinking bad wine. Life is short, and chances are good we're not going to make it past 2012 anyway. So spend a couple extra bucks and support the local economy. Number four, lose 20 pounds. What, you think it's all about the wine? Here's to 2010. Welcome back, I'm Lucy March. And I'm CJ Berry. And this is Will Right for Wine. Yay! Yay. The B Block, as you know, is now our big block where we rack up all kinds of time and dialogue just for you. Right, and this month, the Whiffers have spoken and they wanted a writing discussion. Although I think it's more of an industry discussion, but we we can debate that. It's less craft and more industry, which means that I'm going to have absolutely nothing to offer. (laughs) So pardon me while Uh, I take a drink for being completely and totally useless. Okay. Well, and this request probably has something to do with our disastrous movie night and all the holiday singing last month. uh, Right. They're like, please, whatever you do, don't do that again. (laughs) We do not sing. I know. Yeah. It's you. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Sorry. I was filling my champagne glass. I I hated to mess up your champagne drink, but. (laughs) I know. I'm doing my. Okay. So anyway, so we're going to discuss a few of the questions posed by the Whiffers and just take a stab in the dark yeah pretty much right. yeah because because we have our finger on the pulse of the writing industry right i have my finger on the yeah. pulse of absolutely nothing if i have <laughs> something it has been dead a long time i know nothing i'm a recluse in southern ohio i have no idea what else going on but anyway yeah. you know well I'll, I'll fake it as best i can for you know for All the right. whiffers i'll do anything for the whiffers you know i will oh yeah yeah <laughs> okay now um I feel obliged to put a huge disclaimer on this. As you already heard, we mm-hmm. we are not like the end all and be all of knowledge. We're, there's we don't have that eye 
Oh, right. <laughs> Whatever exactly. it's the all-seeing eye, we don't have it. So... <laughs> Yeah, we really have no idea what's going on. So anyway, so what they wanted us to predict. You go ahead and do the first one. What's the first All thing right. they wanted our 2010 predictions on? Who's asking <laughs> us for 2010 predictions? Do you guys know? know? Have we met? God help them. Do they know us? God help them. <laughs> have you not listened to the show? We have no idea what's going on. Craft? I could talk about craft, but anything that's actually... Okay, so sorry. Go ahead. All right. Anything that I contribute, though, is probably BS. So go ahead. All right. 2010 trends in the writing industry. Okay. Cookbooks. It's all going to be cookbooks. That's what. (laughs) Well, I think we've seen probably a little bit of this already. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. Fewer books coming out. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have stronger books. Mm -hmm. There are fewer slots. There's Mm -hmm. more competition. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a tight market. Right now it's a tight market. And I'm hearing that, you know, from from my agent and, Mm -hmm. you know, just from the scuttlebutt that's out there. On the other hand. Lower advances, absolutely. I know that lower advances are happening. Everybody, you know, even the big, huge stars are getting, you know, lower advances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's going on. But Mm -hmm. that said, you know, I'm on my author loops, on a couple of author loops, and, um, we have new people coming in all the time. Mm-hmm. We also have people leaving. So yeah. I don't know if it all kind of evens out or what. I haven't really kept track. So I think, okay, in general, my feeling on things are that um, eventually everything kind of stabilizes back to an equilibrium. And I think mm. that um, I do believe that the biggest impact on the publishing industry is going to be ebooks. I think that, um, that that's really where everything is going. Um, mm. They're going to have to battle it out until they find a, a format and a system that works, similar with, you know, MP threes how mp3s came out right. as the format and nobody really owns mp3s you know um right it's the same thing as jpegs or you know right. vhs remember vhs right. so think- versus beta Remember exactly. That? Oh, God. Yeah. Right. So I think yeah. that eventually the format is going to end up being something that's non-proprietary, probably like a PDF. I think that based mm-hmm. on the way the music industry went and the way that, you know, other other electronic formats of things have gone, that it's going to end up being some kind of universal format. Um, and I also think that there's there's a lot of shuffling while the industry tries to figure out how they're going to do ebooks. Um, yeah. I also think, I don't think this is going to happen in 2010, but I think that as we move forward in the publishing industry, there's going to be a lot more print on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you go into your, you know, your brick and mortar, you know, bookstore, your Barnes Noble and your Borders, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of the same kind of stuff that you have there. But I mean, I think there's going to be a, a larger amount of like peripheral books. I think there's going to be a lot, a bigger market for niche authors, which is what mm-hmm. you're seeing with things like Sam Hain and Alora's Cave, your erotica, your things that couldn't make it into the mainstream before because they just didn't make a big enough profit margin for the big guys, but there are smaller publishers, more independent publishers who are coming out and doing um, interesting niche work that allows mm-hmm. more authors actually to get more opportunity, but everybody's going to get paid a little bit less. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, and, and you've already seen this. Uh, you've already seen the indies come out in music. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it's have the same blown thing. music, you know, all and they're probably, we're probably with books are probably five to 10 years behind them. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. um, so I expect so, it to be the same thing. What's nice yeah. about that for the mm-hmm. reader is that you really have this huge market and this huge number of choices. And it's not Absolutely. being dictated by a couple of, of huge houses. By you know, what? Yeah, because houses. 
because essentially it's equivalent to, you know, 20, 30 years ago when the cable networks started coming out and there was the big three. So right. now you're getting cable networks that are doing, you know, real work. Really that good are doing stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly, really good stuff. And so um, so the networks have kind of, they're still there, but they don't, they don't get the shares that they used to get as far as their ratings right. and everything goes. So it's going right. to be, I think, the same thing with, okay, I'm going to mute while I cough because I just got something stuck in my throat, so hang on a second. Oh. Oh, God, I hope it's not like a furball or something. No, right. no, I haven't been licking the cats. <laughs> I'm drinking champagne, and sometimes it gets like well, in the wrong place. my furballs in my house usually are like little tumbleweeds under my bed or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you got two cats now, so that happens. I know. Welcome I know. to my world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so anyway, we just we just kind of went on the impact of ebooks, I think, a little bit. Right. And right, that more and more right. people are buying ebooks that they offer, I think, more opportunity for authors to self-publish in a way. And again, mm-hmm. we discussed, and we'll discuss a little bit, again, the, the whole vanity publishing thing when we get to Harlequin Horizons, which somebody had asked a question about. But um, there's more opportunity. Like, if you look at lulu.com, um, there's mm-hmm. more opportunity for people to do their own self-publishing where you've got print-on-demand available for people to order. Um, you've got... <clears throat> various formats of electronic books people can self-publish a book for the kindle mm-hmm. and put it up on the amazon and so on the amazon not the river on amazon the website so anyway yeah they're put them in a boat and float them down the amazon and see what the hell happens um but uh but anyway so i think that i think that there's a lot more opportunity for people to independently publish um themselves or to start small independent publishers i think mm-hmm. that generally um as far as how that's going to make um, a significant amount of money. I mean, I think that just like, well, again, even us, you know, I mean, we mm-hmm. are traditionally published with traditional publishers, big people in New York City, and, you know, we're still broke. So, like, as far as the money, yeah. like, I don't know anybody, <laughs> you know, aside from, like, the top 3% of people who actually publish books who make a living wage, but, you know, so, I mean, as far as, like, the money, I think it's something that you do for love anyway, and if you end up making money, that's great, but you're probably not gonna. Um, but uh, but anyway, so I think that the that ebooks kind of are opening that up, and again, it is very similar to, you know, how cable changed television in like the 70s right. and 80s, and how, right. you know, MP3s changed music in the 90s, and, and right. all that stuff. Um, and I, and then, well, I, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, go ahead. Are you done? No, go ahead. I was oh, going to okay. go into the Kindle thing, but you can... Oh, okay, okay. I, I did want to say on the... We're, the only problem is that we're going to run into the same issues that we run that that we've run into with MP3s, and that is right. piracy. You can see oh, yeah. a huge, huge influx of piracy of eBooks, and I've already seen it with my books. Um, right. Books that were never out electronically as eBooks right. mm-hmm. are out there now. Somebody photocopied the pages and you know scanned the pages in and actually put them on. right. Which on one hand, I'm I like, mean, okay. okay, it's a little okay. Here's here's the thing for me. <laughs> On the one hand, I'm a little flattered that they even noticed I was out there. On the second hand, it is absolutely theft, and they're stealing what little profits I get. But I mean, who did that? Who who, scanned every freaking page? I know, but I'm sorry. The fact that somebody found a Lonnie Diane Rich book and decided they wanted to scan every page, I'm like, wow, thank you so much. It's like when I was at the, I was buying the champagne at the grocery store, and the girl carded me. And I said, I know you have to card everybody under 40. And she goes, no, actually, I just have to card them if they look like they might be under 29. I was like, no way, really? Really? <laughs> and that's kind of how I feel about the uh, people scanning my – like, on the one hand, I'm flattered that they even thought of me when there's, like, Dan Brown and stuff out there. But, um, you know, like, big, really big books that everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, yeah, you know, they're, they're stealing and they're taking – 
food away yeah. from my kids. So there's that. But also, like, as far as piracy goes for ebooks, um, I don't worry about that. I don't think that authors take, they do take a hit. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Nobody should do it. But I don't think that we're going to take quite the hit that the, ind- the record industry did because there are fewer people reading than there are listening to music by the millions you know mm-hmm. and um and the number of those people who are willing to go to a website and download a pirated book and then read it on their computer and you know limited comfort and all that kind of stuff i mean honestly i just don't i don't think it's going it's going to be a problem it's always going to be a problem there are always people stealing on the fringes but i just don't think it's going to be as big a problem for readers as it was with um with movies and music because because those are much much bigger audiences so there's a much greater number of people who are on the fringe kind of taking them and also I think somebody who takes an mp3 it's something they can listen to they can still listen to it on their iPod they've got it if you steal an mp3 that's that's pirated or whatever you use it in the same way that you would use the original had you paid for it whereas ebooks you don't necessarily you don't if you steal that you don't have it in your hand you don't have the physical thing you don't have it on your, you know, you have it on your computer. I guess if you put it in a PDF well, format, you can yeah. put it onto, well, you know. Yeah, you can put it on Kindle. any device. You can read right. it on your on your BlackBerry. You can read it on, you know, you can read it on anything. Um, so I, I think, what I think is, is that it it's not a huge problem now, but it's going to become a huge problem. I do see that right. down the road. Because as we have discussed, I don't know Jack about Jack. Um, so anyway, so we'll go on to what I do know about, which is my Kindle. I bought myself a Kindle for Christmas because I'm in my two years of crazy and I decided I wanted one. So I got one. Um, even though for years I've been like, no, they're too expensive. They're too expensive. I can't buy it. I can't buy it. I can't buy it. And then finally I was like, you know what? Ding! Hit the button and I got it. Um, and, uh, and when my kids are eating ramen they'll appreciate that um but uh, but anyways i um i really i love the kindle i absolutely Mm -hmm. love it it's really great it's like um you know it doesn't have its backlighting so it doesn't have that eye strain that you have with the computer i mean it really Mm. is like reading a book but it's just i can read like lord of the rings a thousand pages and you know what (laughs) it's not big in my hands it's not awkward to handle you know i can't read it in the tub but i don't read in the tub anyway because i always end up dropping the book in the tub anyway and then it gets wet and then you gotta Mm -hmm. buy a new one so um so generally that's the big thing they're like oh no you can't read in the tub and i'm like eh, you know um i i really love it i think it's great i love the fact that it's got wireless and i can down download a book I think that's really what sold me on the Kindle as opposed to like Mm -hmm. a Sony reader or something like that whereas you know with the Kindle I've got that wireless access if I'm anywhere and I decide oh I want this book I can just download it to my Kindle and then I've got it plus the fact that I can read the same book on my Kindle on my iPhone on my computer when they finally get Kindle from Mac up and um so I love it. I think it's great. I think that I run the risk that people who bought all those Betamaxes in the 80s, (laughs) which is that when the format finally, you know, is decided. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When all the dust settles. You'll be selling it on eBay for 10 bucks. Very, very possibly. Jenny doesn't like that I have one because she's like, you know, with George Orwell's 1984, they went in and they stole everybody's books and it's wrong. You know, Jenny Jenny grew up in the 60s, so she's got this very, like, strong sense of principle. And she's like, I will not buy a Kindle. And I said, you know what? I don't care. I'm 
not reading 1984. I'm not taking notes for my classes. <laughs> you know, I and they got such bad press for it. Like here I am because I'm extremely naive and like very Pollyanna about life. Is that I generally think they got such bad press for it that the chances of them doing that again are really, really slim. And Jenny's like, yeah. oh, you're so naive. <laughs> Corporate <laughs> bastards, you know. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't speak for Jenny. I should say, and a friend of mine said, because she's going to be mad at me that I said, she said, I don't know if she said corporate bastards. I don't know if she said that, but um, oh, she, doesn't, yeah. she doesn't trust them, and she has every right. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I like it. I think it's great. I enjoy it. I love having electronic books. I think that's the way it's going to go. I think eventually a format will be decided, and then everything will be settled from there, and I will be, you know, using it as a bookmark for my actual, you know, e-book reader <laughs> or whatever. In the meantime, I'm having a great time, so I, I really like it. Cool. cool. All right, so the next on the list is what you are hearing from authors, agents, and editors that you know. Yeah, pretty much so. what we talked about. Tighter markets, lower right. advances, fewer mm-hmm. books. It's, right. you know, it's mm-hmm. tough. It, it, the it's, whole economy tough is tough. So. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. So, you know, and I mean, aside from that, though, like, really, I'm I'm not hearing much. I'm at, like, I'm yeah, at but, different you phase know, in my books career. books are selling. They're selling. You know, books are selling. So, you know, you just have to be very good. You have to work really hard. You have to write the best book you can. Yeah, you know, that's which true. is always true, but you know, I think there's a little bit more competition now than there was before. I think so. it's a little tighter. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. a little tighter, yeah. definitely. And a lot of people who have had, you know, um, have had contracts in the past, who've been selling books in the past, have been struggling. Mm-hmm. But you know, I yeah. I saw that happening before the big crash. You know, I saw yeah. that happening before everything went to hell, and then it just got mm-hmm. worse. So, I mean, I think that the book industry is in a transition, and then at the end of the transition, you know, we'll have a better idea of how things are done. But I think that. Every everything's going to change you know how it's mm-hmm. done is going to change and in a lot of ways that might be a good thing because it's kind yeah, of, oh absolutely it's a, oh my it's god a dinosaur of an industry it is not no, it, it, well it's not a dinosaur of an industry but it, but their distribution system the way they run it the way they run it is a dinosaur of an industry i mean absolutely. they run things the way that they did in the 1950s and it's just not the same world now it's not so, the same world right not so like that you know yeah. i mean the whole thing with with the ecology and you're trying right. to save the trees and mm-hmm. they print you know four 40,000 copies and they ship them all out and then they wait for them all to come back as right. returns. Right, and then they pull What the hell is that? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's stuff crazy. like that. That's why I think, you know... It's such um, a waste. Yeah, I think that there's there's better business practices that they can do. I and probably, so you know, they will. And, you know, yeah. in a certain amount of time, they will have different business yeah. practices. They're going to have to change the way they do things. But yep. I think that, in, you know, in general, an editor's job is going to be the same as far as mm-hmm. as far yes. as the material that they work with. And a writer's job is going to be the same. It's just the way that the industry functions, the business end, which is something I've never really understood anyway. So I'm not going to lose right. much. I'll be like, oh, we're doing it this way now. Okay. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I was so. just thrilled, actually. Actually, and and mm-hmm. and and I think you'll see this actually in 2010 more right. um, publishers who haven't started doing this. It used to be when you sent in a book, you would send in the book. You would right. print it out, mm-hmm. 400 pages, and mail it. I've never now, done that. <laughs> well, now finally, you know, they're all doing email, which is great. Yeah, I've been uh, in you the know, business for seven years. I have never sent in a book physically. Oh, every, have you I, done almost that? all of my. Oh yeah, yeah. The almost first all of your five books. books you sent in first physically? five books. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Well, you papers. started a little bit before me. When was your first book published? Uh, two thousand two. Two thousand two. Okay, my first one yeah. was in two thousand four. But yeah, yeah, I've never. I yeah. have never 
mailed a manuscript except yeah. like when they send me the copy edits and you gotta so send them back but like oh, the yeah. original manuscript has all been an email thank god because i would i know that kind of patience like well, i always think like if i was a writer back in the 70s i never would have gotten anywhere because <laughs> oh my god can, like, to use a regular typewriter to those people do you see them using a typewriter no freaking out? way Oh my God! Oh, forget it. I'm, you that, know, I'm that would have ruined me right just, then. I don't, I don't deserve to be a writer. Anyway, uh, yeah. so the next one is the Harlequin <laughs> Vanity Publishing Debacle, which actually I think, uh, or is it debacle? How do you pronounce it's debacle. It? It debacle? <laughs> debacle. Whatever. Anyway. Although I like debacle. Debacle. <laughs> Sounds very chipper, you know, uh, debacle. Anyway, so there's the vanity publishing thing and um, mm-hmm. with Harlequin and that they went to Harlequin Horizons and there was this huge mm. outcry and it's Harlequin Horizons is a vanity publisher. They take a portion of your rights. They make you pay for everything. They give you nothing. Mm. And then they make all these promises. And if for some reason, you know, the ways of the universe should reverse and you actually sell something, you actually sell a decent number of books, you know, they still have the rights to your book, which to me is just where it falls off. Like Lulu.com, you pay them a fee, they print it out, the rights are yours, everything is yours. They are just there to do, you know, to help you get the format down, you know? Mm-hmm. To do print on demand, to do you know the Kindle, to do the PDF and all that kind of stuff, and get that set together. Lulu.com, completely reputable. That's self-publishing, totally reputable. Vanity Press, Harlequin Horizons. Now I don't know. I mean, I haven't heard anything since the first big brouhaha about them changing anything, except that they might not call it Harlequin Horizons. They might take right. the Harlequin off of it. That's all I heard about them making concessions on that. And I think mm. that still, regardless, it devalues the writers that they are selectively paying for their material. And right. um, yeah, I mean, basically, I think everything I have to say about it, I've already said. I don't. I haven't seen anything different happening have you i haven't i haven't Since the either. last time we talked you know, about it yeah now the only other thing is that like mystery writers of america science fiction writers of america and and romance writers of america have oh, all yeah. all pulled their authors off their list right. um mm-hmm. which Everybody is really sad right it is. now rwa it, pu- it punishes it punishes the authors the legitimate <laughs> authors yeah who got published through these people so yeah. i just i find it really reprehensible i think it's just a terrible terrible thing to do it's a terrible business practice it's shameful yeah. it screws their writers and they're just they don't care mm-hmm. yeah yeah well they said this year for the rita and for pro uh for um Golden right for anybody who's published before the thing yes, right that their, yeah, that... their books are still eligible but but next year if you're yeah next year Mm-hmm. I mean, those are whole, all categories. I mean, there's I two whole categories that pretty much are just Harlequin. Right. So, yeah, I've, I don't know I, what's going to happen it's there. Terrible. It's very I think sad. It's absolutely very sad. terrible. I think that RWA and Mystery Writers of America and Science Fiction Writers and all those people did absolutely the right thing. Um, yes. They had no choice, and it's not yeah. their fault. You know, they're not the ones who are punishing the, the legitimate Harlequin authors. Um, and uh, I just, I find it you know, really reprehensible. I don't yeah. like them. So that yeah. is what I have to say about that. <laughs> I'm annoyed with Harlequin. So anyway, yeah. okay, now my screensaver just next came up one. and it is not going oh. away. So you go with the next one. Okay, all right. <laughs> Obviously, we've talked for a long time because it just went away. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. 
number five is many agents speculated the past year saw a mm-hmm. big bump in queries because people got laid off and started writing and mm-hmm. submitting. Do you think that will go away as the economy the economy settles and people get accustomed or people get accustomed to their situation? Um, I. I find that really hard to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I if I was laid off, I yeah. wouldn't think I'm going to start writing because that's a way to make money. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yes, it's because we know better, though. But I mean, this is, yes, that's true. Like, but somebody on my yeah. blog the other day was talking about how Elizabeth Gilbert, when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, you know, got this huge, gigantic advance. And I was like, you know what? She had written like three books before that, and none of them had done well. She did not yes. get a huge, gigantic advance. She didn't see any money from that until like three years after she'd gone, you know, gone to all these places and done this big. Which so, is very typical. You know, and I mean, God bless her. She had a success. She did well. That's awesome. But 99% of us do not make a living wage. I mean, and that's, and you know what? That's fine. We do what we love. It's a great job. I'm able to be home with Mm -hmm. my kids. I'm really grateful for that. I mean, it's awesome, but it is not like a huge, massive um, amount of money. So, but the thing is is that we know that. It's slow getting it. I mean, it takes years to get your money. Right. And it's even less now than it was before. So, um, you know, like I definitely believe that there are a lot of people who are at home. They don't Mm -hmm. have a job. They're looking for jobs, but they have a lot of time to kill and they're writing books, you know, just to give it a shot and see what happens. I think that if they if they think it's going to save them, then they're not Mm. being realistic. But, you know, but I I mean, I don't think that that I think that there are a lot of people out there who are just generally not realistic. Have you taken a look at the general populace lately? (laughs) Have you listened to the Republicans? There's you know, a lot if, of people out there who are just not connected. You know? I think if they've got time and they want to write, that they uh-huh. kind of look at it like a lottery ticket. Maybe they'll get lucky and that first book will make them and you tons know what? of money. If you've got the time and you've got the yeah. inclination, God bless. Go for it. I say write, you know, by mm-hmm. all means. Like, I have no problem with any of those people. I just, you know, the chances of it really paying off for them, I think that, you know, as as long as they've still got their resume out there and they're still trying to get what jobs are available, then I think it completely makes sense. I think the people who are mm-hmm. like, oh, this is going to save the farm, it's not going <laughs> to save the farm. Because <laughs> even if you get published, which is like 1% of the people who submit get published or something like that, um, yeah. you know, even if you are one of the lucky ones who does get published, I've been in this business seven years. My name has been on the New York Times bestseller list, and I am telling you right now, I don't have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a long time. It takes a lot years. of investment. Twelve years. I've mean, been twelve years and yeah. I figured out my taxes and uh-huh. I've I think I may have by now broken even. Oh in twelve goodness. years uh-huh. between Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So, you know, I mean, and that's and that's okay. Like, honestly, I'm not complaining. It's still the best Mm -hmm. job I've had ever. I'm able to be home when my kids come home from school. That means tremendous amount to me. I'm very, very lucky in that, you know, I have I have a home and I have a place to stay and, you know, everything's all right. But I mean, it is not, you know, a real huge big moneymaker for most people. I mean, there are some people who have huge successes and that's great but you know but I mean I think that like agents are probably getting more submissions than usual yeah you know probably Mm. they are you know I I don't know how long that's going to last and if that's going to you know I I imagine as the unemployment number you know finally drops which it should in the Mm -hmm. next couple of years then you know we'll see less of that but I and I think that has more with 
more to do with free time than people actually I think wanting, so too. wanting to and be also, writers. You know, if you, you know? always wanted to do so, it, you know, a lot of people yeah. have always wanted to do it and then they lose mm-hmm. their job through no fault of their own, the poor people, you know, and they're stuck at home while they're trying to get another job, which by the way, let me tell you, is not easy in this economy, you know? Right. And um, so, I mean, you know, I, I, I don't take anything away from them and God bless some of them. Some of them are going to write a book that's fabulous. They're going to get mm-hmm. an agent. They're going to start publishing and that's great, you know, and it's it'll yeah. happen for some of them and that's wonderful. But, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that like it really seems to me to be a non-issue like yes I'm sure that when there's a huge you know jump in unemployment that a lot of people have more time in their writing yeah I'm Mm -hmm. sure that when unemployment goes down they're going to go back to regular jobs and they're going to continue but it's it's a huge time suck basically it is huge time suck so yeah right. so the next one what about the current trend of agents closing submissions for a time I was not aware of this trend. Do you know I, why? Because I, I don't have my finger on the pulse of anything. I don't know what's going on. Have agents been closing know, submissions? Uh, well, I think maybe they have. But, mm-hmm. uh, again, I think it relates back to the number of submissions, uh, just getting a lot of maybe. submissions. Maybe. You know, mm-hmm. they're just getting a lot of submissions. And also, you they're can probably only not so selling much. as many books. Right. And they're you not know? probably taking on as many clients, and they may not have as many people working in the offices as they used to. Right. So they're probably you know? going to spend more so. time on the clients that they already have, you know, yeah. and really trying to get the best money that they can mm-hmm. for them. But, you know, I mean, whenever, you know, whenever a big, you know, financial thing happens the way that it happened to this country, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's that's what happens. Everybody's belts yeah. get tighter. So, oh, yeah. You know. So I think that that, you know, that makes sense. I was not aware. I'm sure that they will open it up again, you know, as, mm-hmm. as things start to pick up. Um, yeah. All right. So the other one is Barnes & Noble now has the nook. <laughs> Don't know if you have any opinions, <laughs> gossip, or comments on that. I actually have none. I haven't looked at it. I mean, it basically, it's the Barnes & Noble version of the Kindle. Again, it's VHS versus Betamax. It's yep. whatever the one that was up against Blu-ray. I don't even know what it was. You know, eventually one of the formats is going to win. I do feel like I think Amazon has a stronger toehold on the industry. I think that if if any proprietary format prevails, it would be the Kindle. Yeah. Well, and they're an online bookstore. Mm-hmm. They're an online book. They're the biggest right. online bookstore. It makes sense that they would be the mm-hmm. ones to to take advantage of of an online. Right. Right, right. uh, So I don't know. I mean, I hear that the Nook is great. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's superior to the Kindle or if it's superior enough to take away from the the jump start that Kindle has gotten. Because Kindle's been around for a couple of years. You know, Nook's just Mm. coming in. So I really don't know. But if anybody has a Nook and they want to write into the show, we'd love to hear. You know, oh, what, yeah. what you got. Yeah. You can, uh, Lucy yeah. at Will Write for Wine, you can write me and tell me all about it because I'm, I'm really interested. Or you can go to the forums. Actually, the forums are the best place to go. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then the last one, which is a really how, interesting oh, question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How will ebooks change book signings? You know, I, I haven't done a book signing in a couple of years. I, I um, try not to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I suppose there would be fewer signings. You don't really have anything to sign. I guess you'd have to have, like, pictures or maybe, like, a little... I don't know what you would have to sign. Well, here's the thing. What would you sign? You go to a book signing. I'm not sure that ebooks are going to affect book signings because there will always be physical copies of books. Right. And you go... I think fewer physical copies of books may be produced. I think it may be more of a print-on-demand thing as that technology mm. gets sassier. You know, there may be more print-on-demand stuff. Um, right. But the bottom line is, if you're, if you're going around and doing a book signing, 
Um, there are going to be, I mean, how many books do you sell in a book signing? On a good day, 40? <laughs> you know, there's going to yeah. be 40 books there for people to sign. So I think that the diehards, the people who would buy a book and ask you to sign it, the people who want a signed copy of your book, that those numbers right. are not really going to change. I think what right. may well, change it's, it's is a- the amount of pre-produced you know, physical copies mm-hmm. and more ebook copies are going to sell. Well, you know, the thing is, it's a book signing. Right. It's not a ebook signing. You know what I mean? So people no, but still I understand, want, they I still understand want the books, question. You know? I understand yeah. the question because I see the ebooks are kind of encroaching on. I do believe that ebooks are going to affect the number of um, physical copies that are printed up. However, I think the number that you sign at a book signing is such a small percentage of that that it will not be affected yeah. by that fluctuation. That's that's either. what I think. So. Yeah. But what the hell and, do I um, know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about, and yes. that mm-hmm. is in any economy, um, you see larger companies taking over smaller companies that mm-hmm. are floundering or can't mm-hmm. can't make it in the economy. And I right. think you might see that happening in the publishing industry as well. Where that the larger see... companies are going to buy out the smaller independents? Right. Or that we're I don't think see so. I think some there's publishers... going to be more smaller independents and that there's not going to be as much of a role for the I don't know. Ones. I think you might see some I see I think you might see some publishers go under. It's a tough tough to either go under or or get bought out, you know. Yeah, sold or whatever. I so I kind of I, I have an, yeah. a feeling that might happen or merging. You, you might see right. some merges mm-hmm. happen too. You and I think right. I think you might see more merges because the e-publishers know how to e-publish. Mm-hmm. The traditional publishers may not. The e-publishers have already built their market. So I wouldn't right. be surprised if you see a traditional uh, publisher picking up an e-publisher mm-hmm. to grab that market. And it's just much easier for them to sell books that way than to try to be. reinvent the wheel. You know? Maybe. So maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All righty. Well, those are our predictions for 2010 <laughs> plus or minus 50 percent right. <laughs> now we're are off to giggle amongst ourselves we'll right. Be right back because <laughs> we giggle so well hi i'm lucy also known as lonnie diane rich and this is your story walk writing tip of the month It is really easy when you're working on a long-term project like a novel to get completely overwhelmed. One of the things Anne Lamott recommends in her fabulous book, Bird by Bird, is that you focus on a one-inch picture frame's worth of material and do just that. It's good advice and it works. When I get overwhelmed by the enormity of it all, here's what I do. First, I do some mindless household chore while listening to my soundtrack. This gets me in the zone of the book without there being a lot of pressure to produce, you know, words. Plus bonus, the dishes get done. Second, before I go to the computer, I decide what it is I want to accomplish today. Write a particular scene, edit a particular number of scenes, whatever. I set a specific, simple, achievable goal, and that's exactly what I do. If I feel like continuing when I'm done, I can, but I don't have to. Third, whenever I start thinking in big picture, oh hell, how is this going to play in the third act? What am I even doing in the third act? I don't even know what my climax is and that second turning point is still not right. That's when I pull myself back and remind myself that all of those things are not today's problems. Those are tomorrow's problems and as such, I will think of them tomorrow. Today, all I have to do is what's right in front of me and that is all I'm going to do. It's a little like Scarlett O'Hara. Fiddle dee dee. 
If you like this tip, there's more where that came from. Over at storywonk.com, I teach online writing classes in discovery and revision. Email me at info at storywonk.com to get on the mailing list so you'll get dibs when I open up a new session. I also have a Storywonk podcast free to the general public with more detailed writing tips and advice. See you there. Thanks for coming back. I'm CJ Berry. And I'm Lucy March. And this is Will Write for Wine. And now we're going to answer questions from the Whiffers. Didn't we already do this? <laughs> no. Actually, that was the writing discussion. These are just kind of generic questions. Oh, there's, okay, okay. There's okay. the writing discussion that they make us do, and then there's basically mm-hmm. we are the Whiffers bitches. We just do whatever oh, okay. they ask us to do, and that's it. So anyway. Okay. Every month we ask you for your questions, and now we're going to try to answer them. (laughs) Right. And the first question is from Karen, who wants to know about Lucy's past career as a pyrotechnician. Yeah, I can't (laughs) believe I haven't told you guys about this. I can't believe you haven't told me this. I haven't told you this? No. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. Basically, I thought you were kidding. Young. You're like I was a pyrotechnic. No. I'm like I what used to blow. I used talking to about? blow stuff up every night for for money. It was awesome. Okay, um, <laughs> basically, you know, about I don't know what was it, 1994. So we're looking at 15 years mm-hmm. ago. God, 15 years ago. Anyway, um, oh, I worked at Old Tucson Studios out in Arizona. <laughs> um, it's where a bunch of old movies have been filmed. If it was a western starring John Wayne or directed by John Ford, I mean, chances are good it was shot at Old Tucson. You know. But anyway, I was out there for their Halloween extravaganza where they, you know, they hire a lot of extra people at this time. And I had a a friend who was a can-can girl there, you know, who would be in their shows and -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And um, so anyway, it was this Halloween extravaganza called Nightfall where basically we transformed the park into like this haunted, you know, town in in Georgia or whatever. Um, And uh, so I worked behind the scenes during the day. So I basically prepare all the explosions for the shows you know they gave me like black powder and stuff and i mean if you know knowing me as you know me black powder they yes that's exactly the answer people who know me are like they gave you black powder yes that's exactly what i mean and you know we would fill the mortars and we would you know get all the stuff all put together and ready for the shows and then at night we would transform from the daytime you know into the nighttime and i would have to wear these um Basically, this uniform that made me, you know, I was basically like an inmate at the insane asylum, you know, and I'd been let out and all that kind of stuff. I had a character. Her name was Gertie. Do you still um, have it? I know. I don't have it. That belonged to wardrobe. Bummer. I gave it back. And then not long after I left, the place burned down. But I'm telling you right now, it was not because of me. I was gone for a full six months before that happened. And the entire time that I was there, I kept warning them that they didn't have adequate fire safety stuff. But nobody listened to me because I was just mm. insane little Gertie, you know. Um, but anyway, so that's... Basically, during the show, you know, um, I, I would fill the, the stuff, but I, I'd never like doing the live show because people have to, like, we, we had this, like, insane system where, you know, you complete a circuit, but you'd have a, a nail, you know, and it would touch it to another nail that was on a board, you know, it's like the oh most. Oh, my God. The most dangerous, rudimentary. Dear just God. Begging for trouble system you've ever seen. But, you know, at a certain point during the show, the shows were all pre recorded, and we would have to, like, at a certain point hit the nail. And one time I said, and I told them, I warned them. I'm like, I am the worst technical director. Technical director is the guy in the in the show where when the director says take 
and he hits the button that's one. Okay, director mm-hmm. says take one. I get so nervous, I hit the bars. Like, that's the way I am. Like, I'm terrible. <laughs> and that's when it's just a matter of what goes up on the television screen that's at stake. Like, this is where people's lives are at stake. And they were like, oh, no, Lonnie, you do it. And I was like, all right, fine. So then I go and... um I'm doing this show and a gun goes off because we've got all these, you know, guns and it's a big gun fight. It's this huge show. And I accidentally hit, you know, I jump because even though I've heard this gun go off a thousand times at exactly that moment, I was surprised. And so I hit the thing and I jumped and the nail hit the nail and then the cannon goes off at the wrong time. And then the guy who's standing in front of the cannon, who I almost (laughs) killed is one of the firefighters and he just is like oh god I just got hit by a cannon so he drops to the floor even though he's actually got stuff to do in the rest of the show and then the can can girl who went by catches on fire she was okay she put it out but still like I, you know I mean I was so upset I was like oh my god but anyway so it's it's basically if you've ever watched the movie Tombstone have you seen the movie Tombstone? I don't think so. Okay. And there's this opening in the movie Tombstone. There's this opening in the movie and the wedding scene where, like, the groom gets shot in the leg and all that kind of stuff. That actually is the building that I blew up every night. (laughs) So, because Tombstone Ah. was filmed, like, the year right before that. So, if you ever watch Tombstone, that's the – they shot it there, and that's the stuff I used to blow up every night. But, yeah, I was a a pyrotechnician. So, there you go. (laughs) That is – possibly the scariest thing I've heard in a long time. All right. I know. Yes. I I have stories that actually are even scarier than that, but let's move on. That's cool. We also had a lot of questions on structure and the hero's journey and how to do structure for both the hero and the heroine in a romance novel. Right. I answered these actually in more detail on the forums because these are really good questions and probably really deserve their own show. But the basics are this. Um, The purpose of structure is to give your book bones, something to hang all the magical, wonderful you-ness of it on. And that makes, you know, if that makes sense. Um, You use structure to make your book more accessible to the reader who will respond to the structure innately without even noticing, but it will give them a sense of security in in your storytelling. So that's basically how that works. Okay. For me, structure is a little more organic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't do acts or anything like that because, frankly, it confuses me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but considering I've never had an editor question any of my book structures, I, I suppose it comes naturally. Um, you know, I, I may not know what it is, but I definitely know when it's not working. Right, right. And actually, so. you know, a lot of this stuff really is instinctive. And um, part of what I teach in my class is that I start going into the structure and everybody's like, oh my god, ah, I didn't do that. And the, the thing is, is that you have been watching movies and reading books and learning structure on a, an instinctive level for your entire yes. life. And so when most people write a book or start telling a story, they instinctively put the structure in there. Now, there are things, once you're conscious of it, that you can do to make it stronger. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really what I teach. But like, you know, I... I take people into my revision class and I give them a structure and I say don't worry about it all these anchor scenes that I pick out you know the turning points and the midpoint and all that and the climax and the dark moment and blah 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 all that stuff is already in there you just need to find it you need to dust it off you need to shine it up and and you'll be fine and so most of it's already in there. Um, mm. But uh, but anyway, you know, going to the, the hero's journey is that that's one example of a particular structure. And you can absolutely use the hero's journey. But if it's throwing you off as, as how to apply it to your book, then just pick another structure. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter mm. what structure you use as long as you have one. If that makes sense. I don't. 
I don't, I don't use a hero's journey either. <laughs> I don't know how on earth that I, I've written eight books. Um, you know, I love it's my instinctive st- my, because it's instinctive. It I've written a lot of books without I, knowing I any of this so. stuff either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I love my spreadsheets uh-huh. and my profiles and all of that because believe it or not, they give me freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. But structure and hero's journey frees me up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just have to plot the book and everything else comes. And if it doesn't, then I, I know it. I, you know, I feel right. it. I know that it's not right. So. Well, see, I think that may be the difference between a plotter and a pantser. Actually, oddly enough, um, I think yeah. that the structure works for me because I don't plot anything. I mm. know what my – I have a structure that I use generally. You know, I'll vary it a little bit from book to book, but generally it's this structure. And it's based on, you know, classic Aristotle, you know, type stuff. And it's, you know, four acts, and it's very simple. But there are seven anchor scenes. And I like to know that I'm building up to those anchor scenes, you know. And that's mm. and so that's basically um, how I teach it. But, um, but so because of that, like, I know my opening scene, and I know my first turning point, and then I can write – just I can kind of play in between those and I think that I Mm. need those bones there because you I think do it instinctively and you plot everything out before you start writing so you know everything you're going to do before you go so you've already got your structure in there you just don't need to think about it and that's cool I mean some people don't I'm one of those people that does so that's how I teach it and I think that it Mm. it helps for people especially who are new to the process to kind of get a grip on structure and then um, you know when they go back into using it for revision that they can um, um, they can do it that way. So, um, so I think that that's good. Yeah. But anyway, you know, it's my it's my personal advice that you write your book without worrying about structure, and then when you're done, you look mm-hmm. at the natural cadence of your novel, you find the structure that works with that, and then use that to help you create more tension, more escalation, building up to the anchor scenes and the structure, things like you know, opening scenes, inciting incident, turning points, the dark moment, all that kind of stuff. So, I can feel my brain melting. <laughs> I need more champagne. Go ahead. So you're not going to be taking my revision class then, huh? No. (laughs) Hey, you love Discovery. I got you sold on Discovery, so at least there's that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, as far as structuring for both the hero and the heroine, um, only one is going to be your main protagonist. So use your structure for that one. Um, Then if you want to harmonize your secondary protagonist arc with the main protagonist arc, then that's great. You're also going to want to harmonize your antagonist, antagonist arc to your main protagonist as well. This sounds confusing to me, and I'm the one teaching it. Anyway, um, but focus your structure on the main one, the first one, you know, and um, and then you can add or intensify those elements in your secondary protagonist and your villain stories, if that makes sense. It may not. Yeah. Does that make any sense at all? <laughs> what Lucy said. You know, I, 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 call it, I call it completing a circle. Right. Mm-hmm. My characters should start in one place and go through the story and end up where they started only different changed right. or wiser or whatever mm-hmm. so i don't worry about structure or journey i just write and if it doesn't work or doesn't feel right i figure out why and i fix it and and usually that means somebody has to die Hey, (laughs) different strokes for different folks, baby, whatever. Anyway, um, I'm going to be doing a series of StoryWonk podcasts specifically on structure um, as I go forward over there. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for that, um, for the iTunes link, so that you can subscribe to that podcast if you want. Um, Right now I'm doing a newbie series for people, you know, to kind of just, you know, address some of the basics um, 
of, mm -hmm. uh, of things in writing and then I'm going to be getting working on the structure one so um, so you can go ahead and subscribe to that if you want and whenever it's ready it'll come popping up in your iTunes so Sweet. and now it's time for our latest addictions what you got oh yeah mm -hmm. my latest addiction is anything made from um, dichroic mm -hmm. glass dichroic mean means literally two colored skin it's oh, a God, method neat. of infusing amazing designs into glass mm -hmm. and i am fascinated by the designs and the colors and everything that's out there it makes gorgeous jewelry and Ooh. it's just it's the coolest looking stuff you ever saw <laughs> so just go to etsy.com e-t-s-y.com mm -hmm. and type in d-i-c-h-o-o-r-o-i-c Right. Glass and see what I mean. That but sounds cool. Do cool. they make wine glasses with that or is it all like jewelry and beads? It's jewelry and beads because it's so, it's small and, oh, right. and it's, it's a really hard, it's a really um, difficult process. It sounds like to it, do. yeah. Oh, it but, sounds beautiful. I'm going to look that I up. I mean, everything that comes out of it, every piece is unique. How They're neat. all completely different. They're that gorgeous. So if you get a Very chance, cool. go out there. Mm -hmm. It's good. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Well, my latest addiction is Northern Exposure. Do you remember that show? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It was one of my favorites when I was in college, and they mm -hmm. just had a one-day sale at Amazon where you could get the whole thing for $78, the entire oh my series. God. So I that's jumped awesome. on that. Uh, so now I'm watching the whole thing again, and it's uh -huh. just, it's so much fun. It's so charming and fun and oh, funny. Yeah. And it's really good for me because, I'm, you know, the book that I'm writing has that kind of small town flavor to yep. it. And I think that yeah. when, you, when you watch shows like that or, you know, that kind of like fill in that sort of, mm -hmm. you know, aura of small townness, you know, I don't think that my small yeah. town is quite as quirky as uh, Sicily, Alaska, <laughs> but, uh, but it's still pretty cool. So I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. Actually, my husband just brought, um, I think it was season one or two home from the library or something. Uh, so we were watching it too. We, I, I was just watching it too. It's so cool. It was so I good. I love you it. Know? It is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> Up next. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yes. We have, we have the, the dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Always screw that up. How can 65 times we've never got it right? Monthly, <laughs> monthly weigh-in. Yay. Oh, God. Well, all right. Oh. I didn't do much of anything. <laughs> I stopped uh. working. I stopped working over winter vacation because it's hard to work and the kids are home. And oh, yeah. Fish was visiting and there were the holidays. So there's that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when they were supposed to go back to school after <laughs> two weeks, um, we ended up having, out of five days that week, three snow days for, like, <sighs> Two God. inches of snow. And I mean, I realize I've moved to a new area of the country. We're not in Syracuse anymore, and I understand that. But oh my God! <laughs> there were like two, two inches, inches of, snow. of snow. And they were like, oh no, dude, we totally can't go out in this. <laughs> like oh my god well I mean it's a little icier here I guess and there's a uh -huh. lot of like in this town there's a lot of um because we're right on the river and there are these like really steep hills that people have built their houses into I mean I drive down and around here and there are these driveways that literally go 90 degrees up in the air like I don't know how anybody gets up these driveways in the 
best of weather. But like, you know, so I, I guess I could kind of understand considering where a, a, you know, large portion of the populace here lives that it could be really hard to get in there when there's any snow at all. But oh my God. So, Two inches. So I just, wow. I just started working again like a few days ago. Yay. And I edited like two or three scenes. Like I haven't done Yay. anything. That's good though. That's so good. I'm pathetic. Yeah. How about yeah. you? I I hate snow days too. <laughs> I know All right. horrible. Yeah. Well, I did my my spreadsheets, all mm-hmm. of them. And in Good fact, I combined them all into one spreadsheet with multiple <gasps> tabs, which is much more oh, efficient. Totally. That's awesome. It. You know, all those spreadsheets you've been talking about, that never even occurred to me all this time. I know. But I don't use them that much. So, yeah. And it only took me like nine books to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I completely revamped my plot. I had a plot. Yes. Uh-huh. And then I didn't like it. It just wasn't, right. it wasn't working for me. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, it was a good plot. It was solid, but it wasn't. Right. It wasn't anything. right. And sometimes I couldn't it's just get excited right. about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I redid the GMC chart and the uh-huh. profiles and the Yay. detail plot and the names uh-huh. list and the timeline and all that. It's all in one spreadsheet now. Uh-huh. I wrote a 10-page synopsis. Yay! And I, yay! And I revised it today yay. again. Uh-huh. And I'll do one more revision. I think it'll be ready. So Great. yay me. Mm-hmm. And chapters are next. So That's I'm wonderful. actually quite Congratulations. Happy. That's awesome. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you. Finally Great. feel like I'm moving on it. So. Oh, God, I know. I know. I hate that. It's yeah. that, you know, there's that time where you're just kind of like stuck in one place and you can't move forward and you start moving forward and I it know. feels good. But I mean, it's a, it's a mm-hmm. lot of work to write a book. I mean, it is it really, is. really hard. Mm-hmm. It is. All right. Well, All right. now it's time for mm-hmm. our co-host challenge. And again... We're doing killer word. Why? Because we like it, okay? <laughs> if you come up with a better challenge, go ahead and put it on the forums. But until then, we like killer words. So. That's right. <laughs> so, Siege, go ahead. Hit me. All right. Your word is senescent. Senescent? Senescent. Senescent. S-Y-N-E-S-C-E-N-T. Mm, no. Not even close, right? <laughs> And uh, it close. is the emergence of a tendency to use a lot of synonyms. <laughs> See the prepubescent? No. That's where I get that. So it's like the emergence of the, ah. and then the sin gives me the synonyms. But actually, since I spelled that wrong, God only knows what it actually is. So go ahead. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, you spell it S E N. E-S-C-E-N-T. So you had the oh, last part, So I was part, close. Right? So I was only one letter off. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Right. And it, it is an adjective. Uh-huh. It means growing old or aging. <laughs> oh, that's really good. So you decided to throw that at me now when I'm staring down the barrel head of 40. That's what you hey, wanted to do, right? Hey, mm-hmm. I'm staring down the barrel head of 50, so hey. <laughs> I know, but you still <laughs> If I can good. handle it, you can handle it. You look good, too. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And by the way, to all those people who want us to do a video live of us doing the show, you know, <laughs> podcasting, not going to happen. <laughs> Probably not. Well, we might. Just I so mean, one know. of these days, I just don't know. So I would definitely know. go on Ustream and consider it, but it's just like, it's not something I could do now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do it right now. It's a tough time right. for me right now, people. All right. So you ready That's for right. yours? I'm ready. Okay. Wassel. 
W-A-S-S-A-I-L. <gasps> you know it! And it, it is a type of beverage made in, um, it's like Scotland or Wales or something like that. And it's it's some kind of like brew that they made. Oh my God, you're really close, but it's a verb. <laughs> it's a verb? Wassel. Oh. But first of all, the very fact that you got the spelling right, because the pronunciation, <laughs> I was looking at the pronunciation, I'm like, the pronunciation just does not, because I look at, at that and I think wassail, you know, but it's yeah. wassel. And uh-huh. um, you got it right, W-A-S-S-A-I-L. And actually it is to indulge in riotous drinking. Oh, okay. So well, you were, and actually, I, I mean, maybe there's something that's named after that in Scotland, but I mean, there what is. I got was it the says, verb. I didn't see any other definition, so. Ah, see, I'm looking at it, mm-hmm. and it says, it is a festival or um, with drinking of health, uh-huh. health, mm-hmm. yes, um, drink but it's also, thriving up. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's also a liquor for drinking and wishing health to others. So you got it right. On festive occasions. See, I didn't, I didn't have that. All they gave cool. me was the verb. I did not know there was a uh, noun definition as well there so obviously i did not do my well Sweet. good for you well you know anything to do with food or drinking right <laughs> <laughs> if it's about alcohol i'm on it all right <laughs> <laughs> all right well that wraps up our new c block which actually this month is a lot like the old c block <laughs> We, we actually put control. stuff of substance in the C block. What's up with that? <laughs> it's 2010. I know. It's That's all why. Yeah. Right. We need more to drink. We'll be right back. <laughs> yes, definitely. We need more. <laughs> Are you worried that one Will Write for Wine podcast a month won't be enough for you? Going through withdrawal when you hear the sign off. Having sleepless nights, wondering what, oh what, will Lucy and CJ be discussing on the next show? Well, we've got a cure for your Will Write for Wine fever. No, it's not more cowbell. It's the Whiffer Forums. Yes, you too can participate in the coolest place on the net with the coolest people who listen to the coolest podcast. They talk about wine and writing and duct tape and Macs and all sorts of other cool stuff. So stop on over at willwriteforwine.com slash forum. Now back to the coolest podcast ever. Well, it's time for last call here on Will Write for Wine. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Yes, and everyone have a wonderful 2010. We'll be back with mm-hmm. a new episode on February 12th, which is also, coincidentally, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Hmm. I wonder if there's a Abraham Lincoln wine we can get. Isn't there a log cabin wine? No, that there's a log cabin syrup. Well, if it's fermented, I'll consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless it comes with a IHOP pancakes. Right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody head on over to the forums and decide what we're going to do next month because you really can't trust us to figure it out on our own. Right. <laughs> the forums are where it's at. And don't forget to review oh, yeah. us at iTunes. Our profile Yay. over there is getting kind of dusty. We haven't gotten oh, any reviews is. in a while and we're feeling I a little know. unloved. <laughs> and also you can vote for us on Podcast Alley. Right. And buy mm-hmm. our merchandise at the Cafe Press. <gasps> 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And you guys have to check out the water bottle. Oh, oh I know. Oh, God. So cool. <laughs> They're so awesome. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, so all of these are accessible through links on the front page of our website, willrifeforwine.com. Wow, that's kind of like old times, huh? We're pushing all the old stuff. The podcast, <laughs> Ellen, the iTunes, the Cafe Press. We're actually back. Now we're actually back. I think so. <laughs> Just like riding a bike. Right. <laughs> so until next time, this is CJ. And this is Lucy saying if you can't write for money, then write for wine. Yay! <laughs> Bye! I say yay. What's up with the yay? <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> Coming at you. I'm addicted to stress, that's the way that I get things done. If I'm not under pressure, then I sleep too long. And I hang around like a bum. I think I'm going nowhere, and that makes me nervous. Everybody's had to get me, but I feel alright.